I would have loved to have stolen the Dukes of Hazzard's theme tonight, Marty. <laughs> but but I, th I think Hollywood would have uh, sent me threatening letters uh, because no. of the, the Tennessee whiskey trails are on tonight. It's a Friday night. What on earth are we doing here? It's a special, of course. J Justin, if you'd have played that, Zuckerberg would have got you again. He'd have done yeah. you again. Probably would. Today, he would. Today, folks, it's International Tennessee Whiskey Day. And we're joined by Sarah Beth Urban, who is the director or the, the chair of right. Tennessee Whiskey Guild. Sarah, how yep. are we? We're doing great. Uh, we're excited. It's Tennessee Whiskey Day. This has been a long time coming, and we're glad to be recognized around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, everybody will not go straight into it yet, but Tennessee Whiskey, for lots of people, is one brand really that's what they think but it's a, an exciting uh dynamic totally diverse whiskey range down in region and tell us more about tennessee whiskey yeah so yeah of course the elephant in the room is that jack daniels is the most prevalent uh, tennessee whiskey across the the world and um but yes we are we have a huge industry that's growing in tennessee um and it's relatively young that's why you don't hear a lot about um some of the smaller brands or you can't get them on the international stage because distilleries beyond uh jack daniels george dickel and um a, a distillery called pritchard's were the only ones in existence up until 2009 um, that's when the law changed in Tennessee to allow distilleries outside of three counties. Um, and so by and large, the Tennessee whiskey industry is roughly hitting a decade old. It's, it's incredible. Now, you say, you mentioned the law there. Uh, explain about that. How, uh, there was a law change in 2009. Explain before that. Before that, so, and it sounds so strange when you say it, but before that, distilleries in Tennessee were limited to three counties. Um, and beyond, so there are 95 counties in Tennessee, so only three counties could have a operating distillery. Um, and that law was changed um, by a group of distillers who came together and said, we want to work here in Tennessee. We want to be able to, you know, operate in our home counties. So they worked to have that changed. And um, fortunately, they did, because now we have, I think, about 74 of our counties in Tennessee allow for distilleries. Um, and we have 31 members in the Tennessee Distillers Guild. That's, that's, that's fabulous. I mean, it's such a quite rapid growth in, in yes. distilleries. Uh, now, you, you have a very good heritage of whiskey distilling in Tennessee. I mean, it goes back really to the start of distilling in, in, uh, in the U.S., um, so tell us, tell us a bit more about that, and I'll tell you. Yeah, so, well, our modern industry is obviously very young. Distillation in Tennessee goes back to the very beginning, absolutely. Um, actually, several of the brands that are open now are reopenings of historic distilleries. So Nelson's Greenbrier in Nashville, which is growing rapidly, um, they're great. Great, grandma. I'm probably getting the greats wrong, but it was their grandfather. They stumbled upon this old distillery in Greenbrier, Tennessee, and were like, oh, wait, did our family own and run a distillery? Oh, yeah, they did. So they reopened it, um, and they make a wonderful Tennessee whiskey that I love. Um, old Dominic in Memphis is a similar story. Um, and then obviously one of the coolest stories that's come out in the last few years has been Uncle Nearest, which is actually the story of the slave who taught Jack Daniels how to distill. 
Yeah. And they have created a brand around Miris Green and his family. Um, and actually are just down the road from Jack Daniels. You can hit two and yeah. one when you head down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we interviewed uh, Greg Oliver, who made uh, Chasing Whiskey, the documentary about Jack Daniels. And I watched the documentary and thought it was fabulous. And it was nice the way they actually brought Nearest Green and told the story of Nearest Green and 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 it's that it's rediscovering some of the history and, and writing some of the the wrongs of the of the past. You know, people what people have 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 taken over and, and stories that haven't been told being retold. And and I, I always tell people that's one of the things that whiskey does. That there's not really any other spirit can do. You know, you can't you can't really tell those stories with vodka or or really with gin. You know, they're not they just don't really happen. It's not the same yeah. kind of thing. Now, there is a connection between where where, where Justin and I are from. We're, we're sitting up here in Northern Ireland, up in the the county Antrim coast, and there is a connection between us uh, and Tennessee. The, uh, the the all Justin was talking about the Davy Crockett thing last night when we done our little preview. The Davy Crockett's ancestors come from this part of the world. Uh, Andrew Jackson, the, the president from just up the road for near where Justin is. And, but my favourite one is Andrew Johnson, former president who decided at his inauguration that he would have a few whiskies. So his family are just from up the road from <laughs> between, me and, between me, and, me and Justin from a place called Larne. So as a inauguration, he decided to have a few whiskies, and his speech was supposed to last five minutes, and it lasted fifteen. <laughs> so, I—that's the kind of person that Justin and I would both vote for. <laughs> it is, to be honest, sir. And a, about a about a thousand people a year left Larne for North America every year from about seventeen eleven up until about nineteen eleven before the proper scheduled ships came in. You know, but yeah. they didn't always go down too well with ice, like the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are talking my language. So my background is also in history. I, I work for the Distillers Guild now, but my degree, my master's degree is in public history. I used to work in museums and then I worked in tourism. And that's how I ended up with the Tennessee Whiskey Trail is kind of promoting them um, and doing some of the advocacy work. So you guys are talking my language, but of course you guys happen to pick one of the worst presidents in US history. <laughs> oh yes, but he's one of he's one of he's from over a year, so we have to sort of go, well, he's he's still one of our lot. He's he's just uh, <laughs> Anybody, anybody, if someone got up at their inauguration and said, you know something, I'm going to have a drink at my inauguration, have a celebration, he would probably still get my vote, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> Forget the politics. <laughs> Just, it's all right. No. Well, I will say my mom's family were McMurray's, so I'm from somewhere in that region over there. <laughs> oh, you must be. So Richard Jones has been in touch. He says he's got a bottle of Uncles and he's saving it for the right moment to open it. Uh, tell us a little bit about more of that one, uh, Sarah. Yeah. So like I said, Uncle Nearest is the, the brand that's kind of, um, it's exploded in the past few years. Um, bon Weaver is the CEO and she and her team have just done a phenomenal job um, creating this brand. You know, it's not even a revival. It's really, um, it's telling the story of Nearest Green, um, how he taught Jack Daniels how to distill. And then, you know, as we mentioned, um, really giving um, that legacy its due and really telling that story, which is yeah. just, it's been such an amazing thing to have here in Tennessee. Yeah. Lovely stuff. And, it, and it, Richard Jones has added the normal Lauren story, <laughs> get out when you can. <laughs> <laughs> 
Richard's Binty Larn. <laughs> People from Larn are affectionately known as Harbour Rats <laughs> because it's down at the harbour. It's not, it's, not effect, it's not that affectionate, to be fair. But that's what they're going to say. I was like, I'm not going to call people that when I meet them from there. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. They're well used to it. They get that all the time. Now, <laughs> now, now it's Tennessee Whiskey Day. Um, how, how did that come about? Why did you pick today? Or why, why is it this day in particular? Um, yeah, so what it's, they, um, well, I, guess, I guess we should mention why it's Tennessee whiskey too. A very different. Mm. Um, what what categorizes Tennessee whiskey? Why this is so different from World Whiskey Day or anything like that? Um, so, you know, the, the the phrase is that all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. But Tennessee whiskey is a type of bourbon. But we have a couple additional parameters on there. One that it has to be made in Tennessee. Um, and two, that it has to go through the Lincoln County process, which has to be filtered um, through charcoal. Um, and so that is the very specific parameters that go into Tennessee whiskey. Um, and it's something that, you know, Jack Daniels, George Dick, all those places, they have perfected that. And then a lot of our distilleries in Tennessee are doing their own version of that um, and, and creating that product. Although some of them don't have it yet, because just like bourbon, it has to age for at least three years. Um, so some of them are still waiting to put their Tennessee whiskey on the market and we'll be excited to taste it when it does. But, um, it honestly came about because, you know, there's so many days out there, you know, I mean, there's world whiskey day, there's all these days that get to celebrate, you know, and we're kind of one of those few products that really has a region, you know, I mean, we're Tennessee whiskey. It has to be from here. It has to go through this very specific process. Um, and we wanted to recognize that and also recognize our distillery's contribution to Tennessee. It's so much more than just producing good spirits. It's, you know, supporting the agriculture in the industry. It's the tax dollars that come back to support the state of Tennessee. Um, it's just such an important part of this. And we wanted not only for our legislators to know that, but for the whole world to kind of see about our products and also to hear more about Tennessee whiskey. There's so many more that are going to be coming online. And obviously, I love Jack Daniels. Um, I love George Dickel. We've got some great Tennessee whiskeys, but I think we're going to see an explosion of growth in this category over the next few years. And it's going to be so exciting and so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you have that regionality gives you, gives you a starting point for everything else. You know, I always think there's lots of people who want to be iconoclasts and knock down the big guys, you know, be critical of the big guys and we want to do things different. But the big guys really are brand leaders. They're the people you can come in on the, on the coattails of. And whenever you have something like Jack Daniels and everybody's aware of, I have, I've been wearing this. You know, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, it's one of the most common brands imaginable, and all these new people have a little bit of familiarity with a Tennessee whiskey, and they'll be able to just touch into this and explore and try new things that are maybe done slightly differently, but in a you know, it's a slightly different method. And uh, there's so many of them. I I have a list of all of the thirty-one distilleries. Uh, we have. Uh, George Dickel, as you say, Junction 35 Spirits, King's Family, Knox Whiskey Works, uh, Lost State Distillery, uh, Nelson Green, Breer, uh, Old Dominic, Old Forge, Old Glory, Old Tennessee, Old Smoky, Postmodern, just to be a bit, a bit different. There's a, lot, there's a lot of old in there. There's a lot of old people here. <laughs> They're appealing to a certain demographic. <laughs> but, you know, but there is, there's all these new distilleries who are going to take their own little take on, on what's a, already a classic product. And hopefully, then they'll have their own stuff coming with that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's that was the important factor too of creating the Tennessee Whiskey Trail is we wanted people to be able to come to Tennessee and see where these spirits are made and hear the stories. Yeah. Um, and what I think is so different and kind of unique from what you experience on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, which a lot of people know about and have gone on um, in Tennessee, you can still meet the founder of that distillery. <laughs> you can still meet the person who created the original recipe why they did it and what the backstory is and all those things. Whereas in Kentucky, you've got all these legacy brands that were so far generations removed that, yeah. you know, some of the stories, who knows how much truth there are to them in Tennessee, <laughs> we're just now making up our, our fables, our legacies. You can still hear the real story. And then, in, you know, a hundred years, we'll see where we are. <laughs> well, so, some of these guys, if they only started in 2009, some of them are probably still in their twenties. <laughs> so. Yeah. We've got, some, we've got some young ones. We've got, yeah. it's, it, Honestly, it's so fun to just, when you do the trail, just to go from one facility to the next and see the difference. I mean, even when you get, so you've got, you mentioned a couple of them, Lost State up in Bristol, um, Tennessee is on the state line between Tennessee and Virginia. It's this tiny little facility and it's family run and um, Nick and his family are great. Um, but then when you go to places like Jack Daniels and you see the magnitude of it, you kind of think, corporate oh my gosh this is you you know this is just one of those legacy brands but you forget that like they're in this tiny little town in Tennessee called Lynchburg and the county is dry you can't drink there um and they're 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 real people I mean it's so down home I mean yesterday they were all wearing Nashville Predator shirts and cheering for hockey so we're we're very laid back and fun here in Tennessee. And I think that's, you know, we, we take, we take it seriously, but not too seriously. Kind of like your, your podcast. I mean, we want to be serious about it. We're excited, but we also want to have fun while we do it. You're actually split into three regions and Memphis is a way out there all on its own. <laughs> is there going to be more pop up in between? Cause it's. Yes. Yes. That is the, I mean, the numbers alone are growing rapidly. We know there are more distilleries that will open. Um, yes, there will be more in West Tennessee soon. Old Dominic will not be alone out there in Memphis <laughs> for too much longer. <laughs> now, there's, I, I checked this. There's 7 million people in Tennessee, okay? But you're making 250 million barrels. I mean, the numbers are incredible. You know, <laughs> yes. It's just incredible, the, the, the scale of the industry. And, and you say it's growing a pace above that. It is, yes. I mean, obviously, a, a very large amount of our gallonage right now comes from Jack Daniels. Of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, our, our distilleries are looking to catch up. And I think, too, um, just because you mentioned that, you know, there's really only one that you guys have access to. We're working with our local Department of Agriculture within the state of Tennessee uh, to start doing more exports. We actually yeah. have a group coming in from um, – from Europe. I can't remember what the exact um, countries are, but they're coming and they're doing a tour of Tennessee whiskey distilleries so that they can figure out which ones they want to take back with them. So we're excited. I think in the next few years, you'll see a lot of growth in the Tennessee whiskey market and hopefully be able to get more bottles over there. Well, I, th I absolutely. Um, uh, they, now, there's tariffs in this stupid trade war by the, the export and importing of spirits between the US and EU and UK and all this. I mean, it, because because they give money to an aircraft industry, they punish the, the spirits trade. That beats me. Don't understand that at all. Me but, 
there's there seems to be a bit of uh, a bit of a relaxation in some of this. It's, 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 We're yes, we've been working nonstop to kind of put this on the forefront because um, in June actually those tariffs double, so yeah. it'll go from twenty five percent to fifty percent, which will um, shut down the market pretty yeah. substantially. I mean, yeah. beyond Jack and a few other large brands, there won't be anyone who can afford it. Um, we don't want that to happen because we, I mean, spirits bring people together. We want, you know, we want Irish whiskeys over here as much as we want our whiskeys to go over there. It's about bringing people together and experiencing these things. So, um, we've had some good, we've had some positive news on that front, but I don't think it's quite settled yet, but, um, I, I have, I have hope that it'll get back to normal. It seems to be going in the right direction, which, you know, it seems to be going back to, to, to having much, much less tariffs. Um, I, I, I really, I, I really look forward to getting some of these brands because we've been talking to some of the other people, and they're doing for many in the US above and beyond the Tennessee brand. They're actually doing some really, really exciting stuff as their brands. Um, which, in that regard, it's kind of like the Wild West in some ways because they have they can do basically whatever they like. And still, but get it cold whiskey. And some of the stuff they're doing is really exciting. So, what, what, other than the Tennessee whiskey, what in whiskey made in Tennessee excites you? Oh gosh. So, well, I actually usually kind of mention that beyond whiskey, we also have so many other spirits. So, when you go out into East Tennessee, obviously there is a huge history in the Appalachian region of moonshine. Yeah. We have a lot of distilleries in East Tennessee that are producing unbelievable flavors of moonshine um and it's amazing to see um and then you've got um h clark which is in thompson station outside of nashville um he's got the best gin in the world hands down drop that mic and say he's got the best gin hands down so lots of people over here making gin so have to be very careful about that their own take on things it's it's amazing to see um, Chattanooga whiskey um, in Chattanooga, obviously, um, are creating some amazing products. Their 91 and their 111 are award winners on a regular basis. And it's a, you know, I mean, it's a Tennessee bourbon whiskey. So um, it's, there's always something new coming out. Like you said, it's kind of the Wild West. They get yeah. to play around with flavors and find out which which of these brands are going to be their legacy, you know, like which barrel is going to be the legacy barrel that they base everything else off of. That's yeah. where we're at right now in Tennessee. And it's fun to watch them experiment and explore and figure out what's next. Yeah. Now, Sarah, I know you're going to have to be very diplomatic about this, but what whiskey do you drink? Oh, mm, I'm not on. allowed to admit a favorite. I will go ahead and say that. But to give you a few of the ones that are in my bar right now, Okay. Um, I am a huge fan of the George Dickel Bottled and Bond series that's been coming out. Um, they just released their spring, and I'm actually headed out after this to go get a bottle <laughs> tonight. Um, I mentioned Chattanooga whiskey because I love Chattanooga whiskey. We always have a bottle of 91 and 111 in here. And then, I mean, I always have, we always have Jack Daniels Black Label around. So um, I hit some of the highlights, but I mean, like I said, I keep, I keep H. Clark's gin in here. Um, I'm a huge fan. We've got, um, Corsair, you guys talked about Corsair, talking to Corsair. They do a lot of really unique flavors, um, and their triple smoked is so good. Um, uh, and then I will say too, one, one that I'm super partial to is, uh, Old Dominic in Memphis. 
my youngest name is actually Dominic. <laughs> and that is a total coincidence. I did not name my child after this yeah, story. Are you sure? After my are husband's you... great uncle. But we believe you. I do, I'm you. a little partial to them. <laughs> Yeah, are you sure that? Oh no, we didn't actually name my son after a whiskey that I was drinking. No, 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 no. no. Well, it's a funny thing too. Is my oldest is James David, so sometimes we call him JD, which is funny. <laughs> people are like, "What did you just name all your kids after distillery?" Yep. <laughs> uh, my oldest son, Dickel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was one of those things that people ask me, like, "What's the next one going to be? All smoky?" <laughs> What sort of food goes well with whiskey then, uh, Sarah? Well, I mean, I'm here in Nashville, which is the hot chicken capital of the world. Um, I don't know how well that paired with whiskey, but um, we're also obviously in uh, Memphis is one of the capitals of barbecue. Uh, we do a lot of barbecue down here. It's real good. Um, and, you know, I mean, any anything that you would drink with a regular bourbon goes well with Tennessee whiskey. I'll say that. <laughs> Ooh, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Uh, I, I know where I know where Justin's going with this. Marty, do you know where I'm going? I do. The countdown has started. There he is, the man yeah. himself, the Red Commander Kerry Bringle is there. Hello, Kerry. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are y'all doing today? Good, man. Good. Would be doing better if you could actually get the Star Trek thing to beam some of your ribs over to my <laughs> computer station here, just right in front of me. That would there be lovely. That'd be great. <laughs> Kerry, when I when I told Justin, I said we've, we've got a barbecue pet master coming on. Yeah. And I said, look, here's here's the website. Send it over. I was I was actually had him on a video call, and I could see his wee face like that. <laughs> you could almost see. The driller on a nose, we chat. So, Kerry, nice. tell us, tell us what you do. So, I'm I'm Kerry Bringle. I've I've got the Peg Leg Porker brand. We have Peg Leg Porker Restaurant here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we specialize in West Tennessee barbecue and dry ribs in particular. Uh, we do whole hog as well sometimes, and uh, we do pork and chicken. We do what we call real Tennessee barbecue. There's no brisket at this restaurant. If you want that, we say go to Texas. All right. Actually, I'm about to open up another restaurant in town called Bringle Smoking Oasis, and that'll have brisket and beef ribs and all that. Um, I'm also the owner of Peg Leg Porker Spirits, and so we have our Peg Leg Porker Bourbon. We have a white label, uh, which is a four to six year old, uh, a gray label, which is an eight year old, a black label, which is a 12 year old. And then this last year, we just released our 15 year old, which is a uh, Pitmaster Reserve limited edition right there and we just won a platinum award at the sip awards with that plus a double gold and the innovation trophy for bottle design so we're real uh real excited about that and um uh so we're we're distributed in about 12 states now and we're soon to be over in the uk we're about to ship a pallet of our eight-year-old over to the uk and i believe right now you can probably find us at the savoy uh, hotel in london uh, but we'll have to be we hope to be around Europe. Uh, we've got distribution over there, and and we like it because we like. I like to visit over there, and I actually have a Scottish background. My grandmother was a Bruce, so I'm actually a descendant of Robert the Bruce. Um, well, so um, I'll tell you this now: Robert the Bruce. The famous story of Robert the Bruce is he got beat, and he came over to a place called Rathen Island, and he watched yep. the wee spider come down, and it dropped off, and then it built its rib again, and blew away and he kept it on a musket back he was inspired by the spider and he raffled islands about what 
15, not even 15 miles away from me. So we have a connection there, Kerry. We have a connection. Nice, and, I like and, it. And Robert the Bruce's brother, Edward the Bruce, uh, what year was it, Marty? 12, 15 or something like no, that? No, no, 13, 15, he arrived 13, in Lorne. 13, 15, he arrived in Lorne, which we were talking about earlier. Uh, and he was then crowned High King of Ireland a, a couple it, of years later at Dundalk or Drogheda or somewhere was, like that. He yeah. was the, la the last ever, the last ever um, oh, nice. ever. Yeah. So, nice. Edward, so, yeah. Now, you said, you said you're available in the Savoy. I would need Justin's money this this to go to the Savoy now. It's <laughs> not cheap, right? <laughs> no, no. I, I have been in the Savoy, Marty, but uh, it's it's you can't go there at the minute because we're we, we're sort of open, still in lockdown. English people can come here, but we can't go to London until Monday. That's oh, wow. that's how bad okay. it is. That's how bad yeah. it is. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Now, Kerry, mm. give me a tip because jo Justin came down here last night and I cooked him. So now they are lovely. It's uh, it's Glenarm beef, and just right. just I live up in a little bit up in a hill in a glen, yeah. And the and the castle's just down at the bottom here, and they have shorthorn beef, uh, that's Himalayan salt aged, salt house aged. Give us a tip for cooking steak. What's the best way of doing it? On a steak, I like to do you know what some people call. Uh, a reverse sear so i take that steak and i'll cook it or i'll a lot of times i'll smoke it so i might smoke that steak with hickory uh at about uh, 250 and smoke it until i get an internal temperature of about 130 and then i'm going to take it and put it on the hottest side of the grill uh, with my coals real hot up to five or seven hundred degrees and sear the outside of that steak uh like that i like to, to season it with kosher coarse ground salt and a little bit of black pepper and it's a it's a great steak this is the steak i got made last night would that pass your ratings would it carry would, would that get your ratings i'll make it i'll make it full screen here i'll make it, make it full yeah, screen you make it. there you go look at that there steak yeah it looks pretty good looks like it's seared up pretty good how'd it taste uh it tasted pretty good but i think i need another one tomorrow night just to make Fish. sure <laughs> there you go. You can pay Absolutely. for them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it, uh, now, what goes best for you? What whiskey, what type of whiskey with what type of meat? Well, so I'm, you know, I have a Tennessee straight bourbon. Uh, bourbon is, is my drink of choice. And so that's what ours is. Our bourbon is done with a. Uh, the difference with, with my bourbon is that I'm a non-distilling producer, and so I take bourbon that I uh, have either contract distilled or I buy in, and then I take it and I develop the process of filtering it through hickory charcoal after it's de-barreled. So whereas the Lincoln County process is filtering through sugar maple charcoal after the white dog process and before it goes into the barrel, when we de-barrel peg leg porker, we then run it through hickory charcoal that I personally burn down and make those coals and it gives it a nice finish. It's not smoked, but it gives it just a hint. And so it's perfect with pork barbecue. It's great with ribs or it's great with pulled pork, or if you get a whole hog, uh, it's, it's really great when you're eating some of that belly meat, there's so much fat there that, that bourbon or whiskey really cuts through that fattiness. The same with brisket, if you get fatty brisket, Whiskey goes great with it because that whiskey will cut right through that fat and uh, the sharpness of it will dampen down and soften that fat on your palate. Oh. 
Sounds fabulous. Now, I believe Sarah Beth Urban actually knows you but has never met you. Is that true? I think we've probably talked on the phone, but I don't think we've met face-to-face. Uh, -face. No, I don't think we have. I was mentioning that I, I started right before the pandemic, and so once it hit, I wasn't really able to get out and see anybody. So it's yeah. nice to finally put a face to a name. Well, thank you. It's nice to meet you as well. Now, we've got a comment in there. Stuart Press is saying he loves bourbon, just ventured in a few months back. There are a few winners out there need to get back to Tennessee and Kentucky once <laughs> the borders are, are open. I'd love to go to the Kentucky Derby, to be honest, and probably, I have to admit it, get to Nashville uh, uh, and Memphis as well, and maybe Graceland's, even though I, I say to Marty, I don't like Elvis, you know what I mean? You know, And I, yeah. and I threaten to throw things at him. You're not allowed to smirch the name of Elvis Presley. Graceland is for everybody. You don't need to like Elvis yeah. to go there. You just got to experience Graceland. Uh, <laughs> I, I lo I've loved Elvis since I was a kid. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no, it's just awesome. Now, there's a mention of Kentucky and Tennessee. Is it there's a is there a rivalry? Is there? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. definitely. There, all, there always has been, and it's gotten worse lately. But. <laughs> It's the it's battle. All, of, it's all in good fun. Um, it's, it's, the, I think it's the fun. The battle of the barrels, going back to the late eighteen hundreds or something <laughs> like that. There, that that sounds like the battle of the handcarts between Wither, Wins, Withersea and Hornsea in the Middle Ages, which is still going on in England. <laughs> yes, it, it's all in good fun for sure. But I, I do think there's some, uh, there's some fun rivalries to be had. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with the battle rivalry. So it's, it's all good. It's good, healthy rivalry. Hey, it's good promotion for both of us, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right. Absolutely. Now, we we were talking the other day to the Corsair Distillery, and they they made they flipped because they originally opened in Kentucky and then moved just across the border once <laughs> once the law had changed. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's something that would only sort of happen in the US. We would, it wouldn't really happen over here where people are like, we'll open here and once the law changes, we'll, we'll sneak across the border. And it was, it was quite fun talking to them. And uh, They did. Was, well, and they've also, they've got two distilleries here in Nashville and they're, they're building a third right now. Actually, my new restaurant that I'm building is literally, uh, you know, 20 feet away from the new Corsair distillery that they're building over in the nation's. It's oh, a beautiful brilliant. building, and it looks like you're going to have a really nice place there. It's it's great to have that that success. You know, it really is. You know, that people are doing that well, and they're obviously doing something right, even if. Well, Corsair has done a lot of experimental stuff, and so they've done a lot of really unique and innovative uh, products. And then they've they've also ventured into some single malt. Uh, whiskeys and so they've they've sort of dabbled in that scotch type area uh, whereas most of the distillers here in Tennessee have stuck with Tennessee whiskey or Tennessee bourbon. Corsair has really stepped into some interesting areas with some experimental stuff uh, that sort of set them apart. Yeah they have. Uh, it was really fascinating talking to him and we're going to play a little bit of the interview that we did uh, with Ryan the, the other evening because he couldn't make it tonight but he, we recorded a little bit of an interview with him and Justin's going to play it if that's okay with you guys yeah. International Tennessee Whiskey Day uh, what, what does that mean uh, for you uh, as a company at Corsair uh, well yeah 
Tennessee is is near and dear to our hearts. Obviously, um, the the two founders were born and raised there. We are located there. We have three distilleries in Tennessee, um, and employ a, a fair number of Tennesseans. So, anything that shines a little bit of light on the the spirits industry and any kind of agricultural business within Tennessee is is a huge benefit to us as a community. And um, in addition to that, you know, Tennessee whiskey um, gets a little bit of a bad rap because it is, uh, it, it's bourbon, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's been charcoal filtered, uh, yeah. through sugar, sugar, maple, maple charcoal. Um, and I don't think that it gets the recognition that it kind of deserves. A lot of people lump it into bourbon. I think everybody likes to be an iconoclast. Everybody, everybody likes to knock down somebody that's doing really well. We, we recently interviewed uh, a guy, Greg Oliver, who made a documentary about Jack Daniels. Um, and no matter what anybody says about Jack Daniels, lots and lots and lots of people like it. And I, I for one, never knock anybody for enjoying a whiskey. If they enjoy Jack Daniels or they, they only drink 21-year-old McAllen's, up to yourself. As long as you enjoy it, that's entirely up to you. But I want to ask you quickly about the tourism aspect. Um, obviously, with COVID, things have been very strange for, for a period of time now. But tourism is a big thing for you in, in Corsair as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we About half of our, our revenue and profit come from our distilleries. So from tours, tastings, uh, wow. sales, that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> huge. Um, yep. Tourism in Nashville, it, it, Nashville is like one of the top tourist destinations in the United States. And that's surprising because it's completely landlocked, right? Oh, well, hang on, hang on, Elvis. Oh, Elvis. no, no, no. Oh, no, we're not going to talk about Elvis, are we? Oh, no. no. Be, sh sh behave, Jed. You go back, you go back, you listen to Woody Guthrie or some of them other people that you listen to, right? We're talking about Elvis, Elvis, Tennessee, Elvis. That's all we need. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Parton as well. Two of the coolest people ever, ever. I, I agree that they are the coolest people ever, um, but you know Nashville has become a very metropolitan city, and yeah. it's got draws other than um, the Grand Ole Opry and and old school uh, country and and uh, rock music. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's a very vibrant city now, and it's got a great food and beverage scene. Yeah. Um, and you know we're growing five to seven percent every single year, and uh, tourists love to come, you know, enjoy it and. You know, they they come to to our distilleries, and a big part of that is the support that we get from the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. Um, which, going back to the start of the conversation of you know the the conflict between Kentucky and Tennessee, there's <laughs> there's always been the Bourbon Trail, right? And, yeah. and and we always got a little bit of uh, tourism from that. People wanting to go see something slightly different, so they go two hours out of the way. But uh, the the Tennessee Whiskey Trail has has really uh, created uh, some some good awareness for tourists coming through Tennessee to to see what what we're doing with whiskey here. Yeah, I, I, all of this all really 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 important, and I like the fact that Tennessee, uh, these this sort of regionality of places and people people coming together and forming guilds and bonds and all of this kind of thing. Some people see it as separate separate you know separating things. It's not. It's just differentiating a little bit. There's not. The whole whiskey world's not that big, really, and and everybody kind of helps each other out. People get into one whiskey, they tend to get into another one. A hundred percent. And you know, internally, we we always uh, we always talk about how we can help 
other distilleries coming up, uh, whether it's, you know, talking them through the engineering bit of their distillery itself yeah. or um, talking to them about, you know, what, what kind of unique things they can do to their spirits or packaging design and, and everything. It, like you said, it's a it's fairly small community. Yeah. And um, it's very supportive of each other. We're not we're not out there trying to bash each other over the head and steal each other's customers. No, I, I, I always I always say the same thing. A rising tide lifts all ships. You know, people people helping each other. Right. Some guys like one brand, they like another one. And if they like that brand, they think themselves will maybe try something else. And everybody, anybody I know who likes whiskey ends up building up a bit of a collection. You know, there's nobody really drinks one little brand ad infinitum. All yeah, right. I mean, now, before you go, I must ask you, because it's on the website and I have to ask you, what's pizza and copper? Copper. The cats. Uh, copper. <laughs> copper and pizza. Those are, those are our mouser cats. So, so pizza was, was our mouser over at our uh, Marathon uh, Motorworks distillery location for, uh -huh. oh God, I, I guess about eight years. She just retired. She was sent off to a farm in New Jersey to uh, live out the rest of her days. And uh, Copper is our, our mouser over at our headquarters uh, on Merritt. Yeah. I salute both of them. <laughs> I hate mice. I'm a, I'm a cat person. I love cats. I love cats. I, I love cats too. Uh, I you love go. cats. You, you beat me to it this week, Marty. I was going to ask them about the cats. Yeah, I read the website first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan Schremmel from the uh, Corsair Distillery, uh, Tennessee and other places around those parts. Thank you very much for joining us on Irish Whiskey Review. Uh, catch you again sometime. Ryan, thanks Thank very much. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. So there, there we have. Whenever we talk about cats... I, I, I love so many cat people out there, including Justin, which is a strange thing because he normally hates everything else. <laughs> no, I like cats. I like cats. Almost like cats as much as I like Zodiacs. Uh, Rib Commander up there, we had to explain what a Zodiac was to me. I knew what a Zodiac was, but uh, a, a rib is what we call them here. It's it's not just something you eat, Curry. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Justin always fancies a boat. I really could see it. See, in Tennessee, you wouldn't have boats particularly because it's landlocked. No, they have boats. There's no, we've got boats. I've got a place down on Pickwick Lake. It's right there on the border of Tennessee, Mississippi, and Alabama. And in fact, the Cumberland River runs through the middle of Nashville. And then uh, we're not far from the Tennessee River, which is in between uh, Nashville and Memphis. Ah, nice. Just I'll be there, uh, Justin would like all that. Just I knew that. I knew that spring break yeah. there would be my ideal of heaven. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Justin, if you like cats, of course there's not the only one. We've got a lot of distillery cats around You should do you should do a website, Tennessee whiskey cats. You know, I could, I could that would be a big thing. People could get come and pet a cat. Like, a whole new audience from the Tennessee whiskey trail. Not our English bulldogs. <laughs> oh. I do like a bulldog. Bulldogs are so cute. I've got two English bulldogs, Fred and Roscoe. Oh, we'll get a, we'll get a page for them too. <laughs> you know? yeah. Me too, yeah. <laughs> like, one, one thing I'm just going to ask, you see in terms of uh, the amount of revenue that comes in through the new, from the whiskey trail, from, from the whiskey distilleries, I mean, it must it must be getting to a point where it's, it's a, financially it must be a, a massive uh Revenue for the state and for and along with the tourism, 
On a lot of different levels. Yeah. I mean, obviously whiskey is a very heavily taxed industry. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, sales tax, all the taxes that come back in, um, into the general fund for the state. But then on top of that, we have our distilleries that purchase corn locally. So we've got that going back into our agricultural system, the tourism dollars that they're bringing in. So when those tourists come, they don't just spend dollars on our distilleries. They go and stay in our hotels, they buy in our restaurants. Um, and then you've got, you know, other ways that they give back to their communities. So, um, for instance, um, actually at the start of the pandemic, um, when hand sanitizer was in such short supply, um, almost every single distillery in the state of Tennessee pivoted and started producing hand sanitizer um, instead of whiskey for a while, including yeah. Jack Daniels. And um, they did it on a large scale and everyone was able to give back. A lot of them donated it to first responders um, and helped keep a lot of frontline workers safe. So um, they're a, it's a good bunch. I love this yeah. crew. They're a yeah. great bunch. It is. Now, Ryan, Ryan mentioned that the food and beverage scene in, in Nashville and, and Tennessee, obviously the likes of yourself, Kerry, is, is exciting and, and moving on. Um, tell me a bit more about that. Tell me a bit more about the different, certainly in Nashville uh, for yourself, Kerry, the whole. Sure. Sure. So we've got a we've got a very vibrant food scene. And the great thing about the food scene in Tennessee or in Nashville in particular is that most of the chefs and uh, uh, cooks get along great and owners. Uh, so, you know, we have a very robust and very tight knit restaurant community. We've got uh, great restaurants, everything from uh, dynamite Italian to barbecue to hot chicken to uh, uh, just about anything that you could want. Uh, we've got some fabulous steakhouses here in town and uh, you know, Nashville now, whereas West Tennessee and Memphis was really the barbecue capital of uh, Tennessee, uh, now Nashville really has come into its own with barbecue. Uh, and a lot of those people are transplants either from Memphis or families came from Memphis. And uh, Nashville can stand its own against Memphis any day of the week now with barbecue. And, um, and so, uh, but, you know, it, it's been great because even though I have competitors here in the barbecue industry in Nashville, we're all close friends. We all go have drinks together. And uh, same with the, uh, with the restaurant community. Um, most everybody gets along and if somebody needs something, then uh, we're there for them. And like you said, a rising tide will lift all ships. And that's the way we feel here in town. We had a tornado before the pandemic. Uh, 10 years ago, we had a big flood. And you saw the Nashville restaurants and restaurant tours spring into action and really step up and help feed everybody. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, we fed 34,000 people in a 14 day period. And that was just my restaurant. Uh, we passed that torch on to Martin's, one of my friends and competitors, and they fed another 34,000 over the next 14 days. And uh, these are stories that you see all over Nashville. This is how our community comes together. It's one of the reasons why they call us the volunteer state. Uh, you know, Tennesseans are there to pitch in and help. When That's we have a national disaster uh, or a natural, natural disaster, uh, you don't see Tennesseans whining about where's the federal government to come in and help us. Wow, well, that's we pretty impressive. Off and we get the job done. And I, uh, I salute that's you, sir. Tennessee great is, uh, you know, my neighbor is not waiting for Uncle Sam to come and bail him out. I'm stepping over the fence and I'm coming over there and I'm going to help him clean his house up and get his get his things in order because that's what neighbors do and that's what good people in Tennessee do. Good and that morning. translates into our whiskey and into uh, 
and into our industries, uh, into the restaurants. And it's a friendly place to be. We get along with the other distillers and, uh, and we get along with, with most of the other people in this industry. Uh, it's a, it's a, we want to promote it together and we want people to come here and I want them to drink my bourbon and I carry Nelson Greenbrier on my shelf. I carry Corsair on my shelf. I carry Jack Daniels, George Dickel. And so, uh, we support everybody, and we want you to try the, the variety that's available in Tennessee. My bourbon's different than, uh, you know, than Pennington's bourbon with their Davidson Reserve. Yeah. Uh, we work together. They they bottle for me right now, and, uh, you know, we've, we've both got unique but great products, and uh, that's a great thing about Tennessee. Okay, that's brilliant to hear. That's, that's it's, kind of, it's almost seen as being a bit old-fashioned to be nice to people, you know. <laughs> you know, which is ridiculous. You know, not here in Tennessee. Yeah, we may greet you with a handshake, but you're leaving with a hug. Yeah, <laughs> we, we aren't allowed to hug here yet. No. <laughs> yeah, that's been a hard part for me. I haven't been able to handle the no hugging thing. No, it's, yeah. uh, I think we're coming to the end of all this. It seems it seems as if we've sort of turned a corner and it's all coming to an end. And hopefully, we'll get moving about and going places and so on and so forth. But I do think whiskey community. There's something special about people in the whiskey industry. There really is. They, it's the amount of people who see their their competitors as as their friends and and do help each other, right? And it's great to hear because it's kind of the same here in Ireland. It's a very small community. People had this idea that Irish whiskey was a huge industry and that you know Irish whiskey was famous throughout the world. At one point, there was really only two distilleries in the whole of Ireland. You know, there was pretty much nothing. And the guys there really do help each other, right? And and I see very much the similarity between Ireland and, and, and Tennessee. You know, it's grown. They have a, an old tradition, but it kind of died away, and now it's coming back with a vengeance, you know? And I think yeah. there's a lot, a lot of similarities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, how did you manage to get the legislator to sort of to give you the uh, sort of Tennessee sort of area of control was it the rye marty that they have a a sort of area of uh oh you're standard a standard no you're talking we interviewed a while back about uh indiana rye whiskey is now Mm -hmm. a a protected you know a protected product you have to have legislation in place for that kind of similar to scotland and, and northern ireland or northern ireland and all of ireland uh so you have bourbon and now you have tennessee all as a definition um do you see wider places in the u.s having some more regionalities in the u.s because i mean it's flourishing all over now i haven't heard of any other any other states or regions really attempting to you know create it in their code because it's actually in tennessee law um, it wouldn't surprise me, though. I mean, as you said, the, the industry is absolutely booming. Um, I mean, every almost every state now has some sort of association or guild that's working towards, you know, helping relax some of those laws that are around the liquor industry. You know, the guild has the Tennessee Distillers Guild has had to do a lot of work um, to create an environment that's welcoming to distilleries. I mean, you know, we fought for legislation to allow co- to allow our distilleries to serve cocktails. Um, we had a fight against a barrel tax. 
Um, we've done, I mean, just having distilleries across the state, as I said, since 2009, we've had to do a ton of work. So um, it hasn't been, it's not always easy, but, um, you know, when things like Tennessee Whiskey Day help us show the impact that we have, which hopefully, um, you know, when it comes time for us to put up new legislation, hopefully our legislators will um, take stock of all the impact that we do have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Kerry, there's a, a big move away from the white spirit industry, which was, I mean, most lots of people just to drink vodka with such, such. There's a big move away now to, to your brown spirits, much more flavour, which is in some ways translated as well into food. You know, there's people now taking much more seriously, I want flavour food. I, I, you know, not just the sort of cheaper, convenient, easy, easy takeaway food if you like you know there's people going for that sure. which is which is really feeding into what you do pardon the pun well and yeah, it's you know, very accessible that's what's nice about it everyone <laughs> feels comfortable drinking it yeah yeah I, I think that you know you want the depth of flavor you know when you look at a vodka people say well it should be tasteless and odorless well why would you why do you want to drink that if you just i guess just to get drunk you know it, it uh <laughs> You've got a depth of flavor with with whiskey and with bourbon uh, that can be a complement to food and and plays in the complexities of the food. Like I yeah. said, with whiskey, cutting through the fat uh, is really great in in fat heavy dishes like a pork belly or like a uh, or like a brisket, uh, and it does complement it. And so, almost like a fine wine, you know, you can pair that uh, that whiskey. Uh, with different meats. I, I did an interview and a tasting for Bourbon Plus magazine last year uh, with Steve Combs, one of their writers, and we did we did a tasting of four different bourbons uh, with uh, various meats. We did, you know, chicken, which we call a yard bird, and uh, we did uh, brisket, and we did pork, and it was nice to see which ones paired the best with which of those meat samples. And um, yeah. It was a, it was a great fun tasting and and it's it, it does have its complexities. Just to be messed up. I know, I know that's nice. We actually, we actually did a similar thing last year with a, a Slemish Market Supper Club, and he, and he actually made four dishes, and one of them was actually seaweed, seaweed as which you yeah which yeah, I my, ate, which, you which is it. I mean, did you, have you ever tried seaweed? Either of you? It's, it's you know, it's 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 what you call rack. You would call it rack. You it comes in from the ocean. You know, it's like it's like pl plant life that washes up. And it, we we actually, along with uh, Japanese, we have a thing called dulse here, and you can eat dry seaweed. But uh, it's an acquired taste, to say the least. But it's very <laughs> it's very salty and crispy. So it's kind of like an alternative to bacon. If you you know, if you really want to put it like that, yeah. And, and, I was talking to Rob, the chef. So I'm talking to Rob, and all you see is Justin's wee wee fingers coming in, <laughs> just my bed and sneaking out, and me, me sitting there going, "I'll kill him," you know. But but it is, it's got that it's got a lovely uh, salty, crispy. You know, it's crispy and salty, similar to bacon, and it goes really well with alcohol as well. It goes really well with a whiskey, yeah. you know. But listen, it's been fabulous talking to you both this evening, Kerry Bringle uh, from uh, the uh, the. Uh, uh, before we go, before we go, can I just ask Kerry, where did the name Peg Leg Porter come from? I told you not to ask that. I, I told you not. I, I told you not to ask that. I know you did, but I swear. I literally am the peg leg porker. So I've got one leg. I am a above the knee amputee on my right leg. 
and uh, I lost my leg to uh, osteogenic sarcoma bone cancer when I was 17 years old. Wow. And wow. Uh, then did heavy rotation of chemo, and I'm a very lucky man. I'm lucky to be alive. It was a very aggressive cancer, and uh, uh, all I lost was my leg, and I didn't lose my life. And so I took that and uh, turned it around into a positive, and, uh, you know, it shows in our products and in our brand. And so that the brand was born out of my uh, you know, zest for life and, and realizing how lucky I am. And so when you talk to me, you're literally talking to the peg leg porker. <laughs> Kerry, we're lucky to have you too. We're lucky to have you, pal. Thank you. All right. Thank you very That's much, guys. I, I, I have to ask it on camera. I've already asked it. Are you anything to Keith Urban, Sarah Beth? <laughs> <laughs> I like to say Sarah Beth Urban, just like Keith, but not as exciting. All right. <laughs> Maybe, maybe now that I work for the Distillers Guild, maybe more exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Pro probably. Probably. But listen, thanks very much, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, th there you Thank go. You. Full details are on screen uh, of where you can get in touch with the Tennessee Whiskey Trail and uh, Peg Leg Porker as well. I'm Justin McCartney. He's been Murray McCauley. Uh, we've had Curry Bringle and Sarah Beth Urban with us tonight. Uh, thank you very much, guys. And uh, good night. We'll catch you tomorrow night, Marty, actually again yeah. at uh, 10 p.m uh british summer time what's on the show tomorrow night well we're going to do our weekend whiskey as usual and then then well you were down here last night and you went away with a whole armful of whiskey of my whiskey uh we're going to do a little bit of a tasting and i'm going to explain something to you tomorrow night we're actually at Curry and Sir. We're going to get into a time machine and we're going to go back in time and get whiskey from 50, 60 years ago and get the same product from today. And we're going to compare them. And oh, wow. you might think they're both the same, but I've already had a, a taste of them. I, I told you not to. I told you I not know you to. told me not to, but, but, but the, 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 honestly, they're completely different. Completely different. So these, I don't these know are, how these are, these are common brands. So. I have a, nice. I have quite a large whiskey collection, and uh, so I decided the other day to um, compare old style whiskey. We'll see what it is tomorrow with the latest version tonight. And uh, I sent Justin away with about well, about half a dozen samples last night. <laughs> and also, also the Corsair guy who contributed tonight. You couldn't join us live. We actually have a podcast. I think that's going up this Wednesday yeah. on Anchor and wherever you get your podcast from. You can just ask your smart speaker to get the podcast. The Corsair distillery is a, a an audio one in full. You've seen what he looks like. Uh, so that one Thank with you. Ryan Schremmel is is up there from Wednesday uh, at sort of midnight our time. So that's by the time you get up. No, that's Tuesday. Wednesday our time's Tuesday your time. I forget. What time is it with you? Is it, is it coming up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? It's almost 3, in, yes. In, in Nashville. It's time for afternoon tea here, okay? That's <laughs> that's what you would have if you were at the Savoy, afternoon tea. It, oh, costs, yeah. about, it costs about 100 quid, and you get sandwiches <laughs> That wouldn't choke a donkey. They're that size. <laughs> They're wee tiny sandwiches, but it is very nice. If you're ever in the Savoy, do try it, and you can obviously I've, try. I can't get. I can't comment on that because I've never been in the Savoy. It's only just right. only just money bags, Justin. You know. I was fixing to say, I was like three p.m. on a Friday in Tennessee. It sounds like it's early happy hour time. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it usually is. I would imagine. So listen, thank you again very much, guys. Thanks very much for for joining us tonight. Um, we'll catch you all again soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.